and welcome to Esther Illusions. We are doing another sexuality-based episode, and more specifically, an ITM favorite, we're doing another vagina episode. Now, if you want a uh, some vagina material with a little bit higher production values, I have a full comedy album called Confessions from My New Vagina, available wherever you get your streaming music, not streaming podcasts, it's a comedy album. Also, we've done uh, we've done a few vagina centric episodes. I think the last one that we did that was truly vagina centric was last year, one wand to rule them all about how a little uh, actually it's not that little it's a pretty big vibrator uh, managed to finally get me to Kingdom Come for once uh, for the first time. <laughs> not for once, no. <laughs> Hopefully, get to Kingdom Come a couple times a week. But uh, God, you know. This episode, actually, the subject of this episode comes largely in the same way as uh, way back when I did an episode called uh, Transgender Storytime, The Scent of a Woman, where I was finishing working out and I was getting into the shower and I caught this whiff and I'm like, I was like, huh. And I realized that I smelled like a woman. My endocrine system was secreting sweat that uh, was pretty similar to a cis woman. And I, that was pre-surgery at the time, and I was very excited. This episode has a similar genesis. I was walking around naked, and as I'm known to do, I used to do that all the time before my... My ex was a, is a Seventh-day Adventist. They're a little bit into modesty. Took her a little bit getting used to the idea that... I, I really... You know, a top is optional when you're in your apartment. Especially, I mean, especially you live all those years pre-transition... When you don't have to, like, when society doesn't tell you to cover up your nipples, I mean, it's hard. Once you go there, you don't want to go back. And the title of this episode is Use It or Lose It, which actually, honestly, like, it's a funny thing to think about, but when it comes to post-operative transgender vaginas, you really do kind of need to use it or lose it. And that's not literally you need to have sex or you lose it, but we've gone through dilation a lot. Dilation is the activity. the process of you take a basically an acrylic dildo like thing and you put it up there and you keep the walls from closing in doctors will tell you sex is not a alternative to dilation people always assume oh a dilator like you basically have to masturbate three times a day dilator there's nothing sexy about a dilator it's pretty uncomfortable uh it's not a dildo It, it is not meant to uh, serve as a dildo. It's not meant to excite you. Uh, it, frankly, it sucks, and it's a shitty activity, and I used to have to do that every day. I guess kind of a little bit past year one, I was really kind of going to like every other day or every third day. Now, now I go weeks at a time without dilation, although the other day I had had, I'd had, uh, brace yourselves, I had had a horrible... ITM dry spell. I went six six days without sex, which I said to a couple of my friends. I was like, I was like, I'm in a rut. And one of my friends, the kind of kind of was was waiting for this kind of stupid information and said to me, Yeah, Ian, I would just love to hear what you consider to be a dry spell. And I was like, six days. And he was just like, Fuck you, Ian. And I was like, I wish somebody would. <laughs> not that badly though. It's not. I've been asked on a couple dates, but I'm not feeling it. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of these guys, they just haven't played the game. I mean, we're not going to go into that on, on this episode, but got to play the game right. But 
So vaginas. So I'm going into <laughs> so vaginas. So I go in the mirror, or I, I go into the bathroom, and I, I see the mirror, and I look down because I noticed something. I look at my vagina, and I was like, "Shit!" This was pre dry spill too. Well, this was a this was basically maybe eight days ago, and I looked, and I'm like, "Shit!" And I stared down, and I, I looked at it again, and I'm like, "Damn, damn." That is a really, really nice pussy. Not, not to toot my own horn, as because frankly, the 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 reason the horn looks good is because it's been tooted a lot by other people. But I, I, I kind of looked at the way my vulva has, just sort of sits in its resting bitch face. <laughs> Term, I, didn't, I never used to refer to it until literally just now. But I looked at it. I'm actually, we're, you know, we're not using a video, so I'm actually, I'm staring at it as I'm describing it. The years of, of, of post-operativeness have really, I mean, it's, it's, it's in great shape, and it feels great, and, like, it's a good color, and, and the way it kind of, like, hugs around, and it forms, like, a nice hood around the clitoral, uh, clitoral area, I mean, it's healed marvelously, and I, I tell a lot of, I, I say this a lot to sexual partners that I think my vagina basically, by and large, is about 85% of a cisgender vagina. And, and that's a spectrum. We've talked about it in other episodes. I don't want to get too into that. But, you know, it's, it's not me. It, it, I, I say that mostly. I'm not trying to convince anyone that my vagina is, is that the Impossible Burger is basically identical to a regular all-American beef patty. Some Canadian uh, sprinkled in. It's not. And yet at the same time, regular sex has has actually, it's almost like my body has has, has helped the process. It's like it's molded into more of, of, of the cis, uh, the cis standard of norm. I had to stop. I don't want to say the, it's a real vagina. And, you know, because you could say, oh, no, it looks like the real thing. I mean, honestly, it, it it's a vagina and it's a real thing and, and <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> I say that with this this aura of awe and wonder because I am kind of in awe and wonder because I looked and I didn't have my glasses on. I I've told this story in a couple of other episodes like years it was kind of traumatic actually but so I got a UTI uh, about I don't know. 13 days, not even actually, probably four days after I got out of the hospital, but maybe 13, 14 days after the surgery, part one, I had a two-step surgery for my vagina, which is, uh, some people don't use, frankly, great, I'm not a doctor, the two-step solution, it's just like the COVID vaccine, it's probably, it's better than the J&J with the one, Uh, I'm not a doctor, don't listen to that advice. But there are some doctors who will do a vaginoplasty and they say, oh, we'll do all-in-one. You don't need to come back for a revision. I personally, like, the, the two-step process is considered dated. It's considered old-fashioned. You're not really supposed to endorse it. I think it's great. Vaginoplasty and then six months later, labiaplasty. That gave me really good results. And that's not to say that you can't get that from a, a one-step solution. But uh, <laughs> two-step. State solution. <laughs> Throwing a lot of shit out. Talk about my vagina very graphically to the internet. Okay. Um. No, I mean it. It. it 
it, it worked really good. I, there are a lot of people who just really don't want to go in and, and get the second procedure because it's two hospital visits. All I can say about that is it was fucking totally worth it in my end. Um, and that's this is the front, the, my end being the front end, not the back door. <laughs> I don't know why I need to say that. But I guess it, it wasn't until I really started having penetrative sex on a totally regular basis. You know, not to get into my sex life with my ex uh, that much, but... I mean, I had I had my final trans... I had my labiaplasty in March 2020, so... Like, this surgery is, is very invasive, takes a long time. Some people, weeks later, will start having sex... Uh, your your nerves do take a lot of time to come back, uh, to sort of come back online. And on top of that, I mean, everybody really is different. You don't know exactly how your nerves are going to come back to an invasive uh, procedure like this. In some cases, you really don't get a ton of feeling inside. You just don't know, but it does take a while. I was constantly, I had facial feminization surgery at the same time as part one, my first, the vaginoplasty. And they kept uh, warning me that, like, my my scalp would kind of feel like, a little numb or off a little bit, and then, like, ten months later, one day I might feel like this, like, almost kind of like, uh, like a, a sting for a second, and that was, like, the nerve system kind of, like, reawakening. It's, again, not a doctor. You shouldn't take my advice on, on how I'm describing medical procedures, because I am not a doctor, but I did experience that, and it was, uh, I don't know. It was probably ten months, eleven months later. I was out, I was outside reading. I was like, ah, oh. I went, shit. I mean, there was still like a lot of like suture. I I, I had scalp reduction. I mean, it's it's pretty intense stuff. And uh, you know, having gone through a UTI, having gone through all this invasive surgery, having had a catheter in me for like ten days. I gotta say, and also on top of that, having to do uncomfortable dilation. For a while, twice a day, for, well, this wouldn't have happened before. For 10 weeks after the main surgery, I was having to do it four times a day. And, that, I mean, that fucking sucks. Uh, it's really terrible. But I think kind of the takeaway from that is there was just a long time where, yeah, I'd gone through all this, uh, all these procedures to get a vagina. I didn't really totally want to play with it afterward. It, it It's kind of hard. To get over that mindset where where you're not the patient anymore, where your vagina isn't like, I mean, transphobes throw this shit at they call it oh so it's a wound it'll never close I mean it'll never it's a wound that's just constantly trying to heal like that's really that's a wrong way of looking at it. <laughs> you can't have an open wound for years on end that that just never closed like that's the. Calling a trans vagina an open wound is to betray the idea of a wound. Because if you had a wound that just never closed, you would have had sepsis and be dead long ago. It, there's no such thing as a perpetual wound that can't heal. That's, uh... And, you know what the most remarkable thing? I have had sex with a lot of really well-hung men. And in the old days of, uh... Like, the early days when I was first getting fucked with strap-ons. Like, there, there would be bleeding. I... I I have taken some impressive dicks and not bled from it. <laughs> I say that like a a, a war veteran. <laughs> yeah, you have the you have the beaches. You have you have Normandy. You storm D Day. Fine. I I took a seven and a half for and I didn't bleed, man. <laughs> Where's my medal? Joe Biden should give me the medal of honor. 
for my bravery under fire. But to some extent, I mean, like, it's it's really hard to get in the mood for sex. Realizing that, like, afterward, you have to put a pad in your underwear because, like, there will be blood. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis is, is he'll make a remake of There Will Be Blood and it'll just be about trans vaginas. And, and and a lot of women can relate to this. Bleeding in sex is is not that uncommon outside of your period. Like I've uh, I've seen it a lot. And I mean that that's a caliber of sex that some women frankly want. Like you just have to get rough to a point where there is like you you pull your finger out or something. And, like there is blood involved. And like you say like shit, you're okay. And they're like no no no, keep going, keep going. That that's vaginas. I mean they operate very differently in a lot of cases. But, like, this is my new vagina, and it's, like, bleeding, and that's really, I, sex, frankly, for a while was, I don't, I don't want to say it was scary, but you live forever, I have six inches of depth. At the end of the canal is a wall. Now, dildos, penises, they can bump up against the wall. I don't know, frankly, how much force it would take to puncture the canal, the wall at the back. All I know is it would be very, very bad if that happened. It would be, like, a 10-month procedure to come back from it. By law, my surgeon, when she was going through all of the medical risks, was basically saying, like, we'll make this. Make this wall. This wall cannot be punctured. So, like, just, you know, be, be smart when you're riding the cowboy. <laughs> I, I, my... My own personal sense is that it would be a pretty... You, you you basically have to be trying to do it, but... um, I mean, that's another reason why you should screen your matches a lot. You, you, like, you have to say to a guy, like, a guy's like, oh, yeah, you want rough sex? Like, not too rough. And, by the way, that's not no means yes. That's... Some people... Some guys who have, have basically, set, like, in their Tinder profile, or they'll say, like, I have an eight-inch dick, and it's like, that's... That's too, uh... That's too much for me. And they'll say, oh, well... You know, I can, I, I can totally, we can totally try. And I'm like, well, you know, is your insurance going to cover the damages? And they kind of look at you like you're joking. But it's like, no, nah, dude, like, if this breaks, like, it's going to be very bad. Like, of, of course you <laughs> not kind of, I'm, I'm only joking in the sense that I'm literally not going to, to try with you. But, yeah, I, I, I think the only way I would try is if they like, there would they, there 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 would have to be insurance involved. <laughs> it's scary to think about. So you think of all of this, like like sometimes, frankly, it's hard to get in the mood when you have to think about breaking something. And there was blood. I mean, there's also I'd had to have a little bit of corrective work. Um, basically, your dilators they give you four different sizes and. The fourth size is considered optional. My father refers to it as the Widowmaker. It's a very, very big dilator, uh, number four. And they basically say, like, you need to be able to get to number three. And four, like, four is not... All vaginas are different. Not every vagina is meant for the four. What I did later learn, though, was, like, if you wanted penetrative sex, like, you, the four is the optimum one, but regular sort of dildo intercourse will get you to a point where you'll be kind of loosened up to the point where the four can fit pretty comfortably. And I, oftentimes you'd have to basically, if you wanted to dilate with the four, you'd have to work. Uh, so there's, there's four dilators and then there's uh, two taper, taper sizes in between two and three and three and four. 
that are basically meant to just kind of... Uh, they're not meant to be the full dilator depth, but they're kind of like sort of made more like a cone. And they're, they're, it's kind of like the pilot dilator to open things up a little bit more. Little graphic. Most people will use one of those. They, they, it's called a taper dilator. Most people use a taper dilator before going to one of the regular sizes. And normally I would have to use not just the taper, but also the three to get to the four. And now I can just use a taper and get to the Widowmaker, which is a, a pretty good spot to be for dilation. For all your dilation experts. But, I mean, like, it, it, it's really scary to think about the idea that, that it, yeah, sex is really fun, and you get horny, and you really want it, and then you also have to play, like, the adult in the room, and be like, shit, I'm gonna be careful with this. But, as with everything, practice makes perfect, and you feel just, like, I think a lot of, I've, I've said in our last episode, like, it is very regressive of me to talk about feeling validated in my femininity through sex with men, and yet, constant penetrate. <laughs> constant regular pennant it's not i don't have a dildo in right now uh maybe later tonight i that has literally improved the shape of my vag it is pretty incredible and like it's it's something it's something worth podcasting about because like for a while it just when i when i broke up with my ex and i hadn't been using the four the four Dilation oftentimes, if you're not doing it every day, sometimes if you go like a week, it can feel very uncomfortable. And it's not its not the kind of uncomfortableness that's pain when you're kind of like sticking it in and moving things around. But shit does get stiff, and you have to like wake up the muscles, and like that fucking sucks. And I realized I'd had... <sighs> when... I broke up with my ex, and I was having... I started to have sort of regular hookups again. I realized, basically, that there was an issue. I had to basically get my vagina to a point where I could have intercourse without needing dilation immediately prior. Now, when you're in a relationship, like, sex doesn't necessarily need to be, like, you know, candles everywhere and all of that. Like, you can kind of say, like, okay, give me a second to warm things up with my dilator. If you're, like, cooking up with somebody, and you're especially, like, if you're on the away field, if you're playing on a, in an opposing team stadium, like, you can't necessarily bring your dilators in your purse and stuff. I realized that I, I basically needed to be able to be ready for action quicker than normal. And that evolved. Like, I was like, shit, well, I guess I have to have penetration more. And I realized that the the, the Widowmaker, the four, number four dilator, the huge one, needed to basically be something that I was familiar enough with and that wasn't, like, a pain in the ass. And in January and February, like, working up to that four was really, ah, like, you feel kind of like there's a scene in Avengers Infinity War where Thor is, like, holding open the gates of things to make Stormbreaker, and he's like, ah, or Hodor, Hodor uh, trying to hold the door. I mean, you have this massive dilator inside you, and it's, it's, it's meant to stretch things out there, and you feel it, like... You kind of, like, you can feel all the nerves and stuff. You can feel, like, the mechanics of it just stretching out. And, ah, it was, like... It's hard to describe because it wasn't a painful experience. And yet, like, you do feel like you're literally... Like, your body is about to burst. And that that is a very, very, very odd feeling. 
it feels weird to like be thinking that yeah you're essentially training for sex you're you're stretching yourself out ahead of time and yet like the, the body does kind of need that stuff most most women people with vaginas can relate frankly any anyone with a hole can relate to the idea that when something first comes up the hole for the first time back door front door whatever hole you want guess what not the most comfortable feeling on the planet fucking earth like anal the Honestly, actually, anal the first time was way worse than uh, uh, vaginal penetration the first time. Uh, the, it's 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 tough up there. <laughs> You're getting used. It's not like it's tough forever. It's hard. I don't know. And like it's weird. Like for a while, at least in January and whatnot, I was literally like I was wouldn't be aroused at all. I'd be like watching TV, laying on my bed with a towel spread out. With a dildo, just going in, out, in, out, just to like get used, get used to this shit. Like, make sure that everything up there was working, that it was functional, that it was feeling. Like, it was, it was dispassionate, unscientific. Ascent. I, I do not even want to refer to it as masturbation. I was not trying to get off. I was trying to create a situation where, when I was on, I was on. Later on, feeling good. And yet, and months later, I'm looking at the fruits of my labor, my literal fruits, not the peach, peach speck. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe shit was really tight there before, but I look at my vag, like, literally, like, it, it looks, it looks fucking great. And it's, it's hard to put into words what a feeling that is, to, <laughs> to think like, you, for like a year and a half, basically after the surgery, I was, I would touch myself down there with a fear of apprehension, a fear of breaking something. I say a lot, like I have to say to guys and stuff, like you don't have to talk to me, like, like I'm an alien, I'm a, I'm a person, I'm a woman. Talk to me like you would any other woman. You don't need to treat me like an alien. When you have sex with a guy, sometimes like you know, just tell me what to do. It's like, yeah, dude, you see the hole? That's where. That's where you stick your dick, dude. That's all there is to it. And, and frankly, like, that is all, kind of all there is to it. And yet, at the same time, you're also kind of like, yeah, I understand that level of apprehension because I felt like that, too, constantly with my own... I was so scared. Kind of the whole point of the one one to rule them all episode was the idea that I was so fucking scared to touch my own clip with my bare hands. I, I, I... I, I would have, like, a subconscious, like, like twitch back if I would touch, and people would try to touch me, and I'd be like, nope, 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 too squeamish. And it was sque squeamish kind of implies some sort of sense of irrationality toward it. I mean, that's kind of where I was at. I, I understood that it wasn't the most rational thing in the world. And yet your, your own comfort level is not necessarily a thing that you have to totally be rational about. You can kind of say, yeah, I'm not ready. Whether you're ready or not, I mean, that's that. at the end of the day, that's up to you. And I feel like after my breakup, knowing that I was going to re-enter the dating pool, re-enter the casual sex pool, there were things that, I, you know, the squeamish level needed to come down a lot. The first hookup I had after my ex moved out, they remarked that, that my, uh, that, that things down there were tight. And they were. And I... Hadn't dilated because I wasn't assuming that I was going to have a hookup, which was stupid. 
or maybe I had, and I was just using the three. I wasn't wasn't at full capacity any in any event, and I knew I had to work on that. I had to do this work. So much of life, especially in the dating pool, really any anything in the social realm, whether you're making friends or you're going to date somebody, trying to date somebody. We talk about this all the time, the idea of putting out energy that you don't get back. And you have to put it out there, even if you might not get it back. Because, I mean, that's just the only way you can live. That's the only way one should live. And I put all... I put in... For, for months now, I've put in this effort to uh, put myself in a position... If I went... If I got dressed right now and went out to a bar and recording this in the morning, so... You know, actually, some bars do open at 9, so some would still be open. Some would have just opened uh, not. Not that there's great hookup matches at a bar on a Friday at, at, at 9 in the morning, but in theory, I could go out, I could go find somebody and have sex with them and not need to do any a little bit of lube. I'd be fine. Rip-roaring, ready to go. And that's kind of the, the timeline. I got used I got used to, like, sex, time-consuming, messy, a lot of washcloths, all sorts of things. Frankly, there's still a lot of washcloths used. But... Kind of the beauty of it, I, I've i reached sort of a point of normalcy where I can go out and actually, like, I can go sleep at somebody else's house, their, go to their place, get fucked. Uh, not really without lube, but, I mean, a lot of women need lube, so, <laughs> not to just center this on lube, but I look down, and I don't, I look at my vagina, I don't necessarily... Like, I joke all the time about the Impossible Burger. It's not necessarily that I see the Impossible Burger. I see a, uh, you know, literally a used muff. <laughs> it's been used. It's not It's not in the absolute... Pristine, uh, I mean, it still looks pretty pristine, let's be honest. It'll always look... No. Let's hope it looks still pristine. I look at it, and I think to myself, like, damn. This is a part of me... And it's such a defined vagina now. Mostly because I guess the it's used to expanding and contracting. It's got a bit of pliability to it that uh, the stiffness just does not come back. Like uh, I dilated for the first time in about three weeks. Now I've had a lot of penetrative sex in between, on top of the six-day dry spell. But there's been a lot. There had been a, a fair amount of penetration in between. Uh, the last time I dilated and uh, this current dry spell and I put the Widowmaker in and everything felt fine. I wasn't dying. I'll never say that dilating like necessarily feels good. It still kind of feels shitty. Uh, it's awkward. You have to like just sit for 15 minutes with this dildo up here. You're not really supposed to move it around that much. Not that fun. And yet at the same time, Ah, small price to pay. Like, to think that every once in a while I gotta shove one of those up there just to make sure everything's alright. That's, that's, that's the thing that differentiates me from any other run-of-the-mill vagina. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. That's not bad. I say all the time, you know, knowing what I knew now, if I'd been in the closet, they could say, you can have basically... 80% of an, an, a, just a quote-unquote, I was about to say normal, it's a, there, because people always want, well, what's the idea of a normal sense of womanhood? Good question. Stereotypical LA cisgender woman, 
uh, uh, intertwinings. I'm thirty. <laughs> young person, sex life. I'm not even that. Not even that young anymore. I get to have that. Fuck. Doesn't sound bragging. Like, I, I, it sounds weird to like, like, like celebrate your own sexuality in such a sense. But trans people, we are told all the time that'll never be on the table. No one will want you. You'll never get. You'll never get a vagina. It'll just be some just. Horrible experience. It'll never work. It won't bring you happiness. You'll still be depressed. You'll never, ever, ever even approach that thing called normal. That is what we as trans people are told. We'll never, ever, ever get what we want out of life. And guess what, dude? It's all bullshit. And I see that every time I look down at my crotch area. (laughs) Lack of a better word. It's true. I see this vagina that, frankly, was a real pain in the ass to acquire. The surgery sucked. Done episodes on that. Maintenance, for a while, sucked. It 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 took me forever to look down and see that thing as an object of, of, of sexual, the means to a, a wonderful sexual end. And God, when I did, when, when regular penetrative sex started entering my life for the front door, my my skin would get softer. Uh, I, I felt so alive. Like, a part of me was missing. So I guess that's what I say when I talk about getting getting in touch with my feminine side through men or, frankly, anyone with a dildo. People notice it. Like, women have seen it, too, when they, they put on a strap-on and fuck me. I'm giddy as a clam, smiling, having a great time. A couple of them have been like, you love this, don't you? Of course I love it. It's the whole point. That's the whole point of transition. I said this. I did a... Uh, there's an interview I did with uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Know Your Critic. And I, I, I said that I compare my sex life to Gladiator a lot. Which sounds pretty fucking stupid when you say it out loud. But whenever you're like in the midst of a hookup... Or something, a hookup where you're, you're, you, you, you definitely realize that this is a person you'll probably never see again, or they're moving, or blah blah blah. Maybe you do, maybe you don't see them again. I don't know. It's probably best to go into everything assuming you're not, and it doesn't really matter. But you have to be able to stop and look around as you're getting fucked, or as you're going down on them, or anything else. Look around, and you have to be able to answer the question. Are you not entertained? It has to matter. That has to that answer has to be yes. And I think like sometimes you encounter guys who basically I don't know, they 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 treat sex positivity as like the worst thing on the planet. Guess what, dude? It's so fucking fun to be in a position where you can bottom for somebody. And no matter what tomorrow brings, you've got that moment where it just all feels so fucking good. Live in the present, baby. It's all, it's all you gotta do. It's all you can do. God. And I look. And I look at what casual sex and all of that did to my vagina, and it looks just, oh. I love it. It sounds weird. I mean, we're, we're not... Women are not supposed to talk about their own bodies this way. And why not? I feel better sexually now than 
at any other point in my life. To such an extent that it translates into my mood, into the way I behave around other people. I am so much happier that I... And this surgery gave that to me. It did all of that for me. It was a wonderful, beautiful thing that... God, I, I, I can't... I can't even begin as I, you know, enter into... We've been talking about it for a, a half hour. I can, try, I can try to explain the experience. It's just giddy, like... Damn, it feels fucking good to have something inside you. I don't know. For all the trans, for all the trans people, I guess primarily trans women, or if you're non-binary and you're you're transitioning from one sex hormone to another, testosterone to to estrogen. I mean, Frank. I mean, trans men. I I've seen, been a part of, and and encountered a lot of their euphoric experiences uh, along s- some of these lines. We're just taught. We're taught, we're taught that our genitals are these things to be stigmatized. And a lot of people, that's not just trans people. God, when you drop that, when you drop the stigmatization, when you embrace, when you, when you look, when you're, when you're going through transition, your body is going through a lot of things that it's not necessarily going to be the best at communicating to you. You'll get cramps, you'll get weird things that are unexplainable, and you can just say, okay, that's the hormones. It's not like your body gives you a warning ahead of time. You, it, it, It's like the mind and the body are in kind of different languages. Speaking different languages. But then sometimes, like, the mind has to get out of the body's way. And allow yourself, like, when you manage to align the two, when you give in to what your body wants, a.k.a. when you crave the D, God, wonderful things happen. And it's just this thing that so many trans people are, are almost told not to do. Not to be proud of who we are. Not to be proud of the things that are happening to our bodies. Embrace them. Embrace all of it. God, there will be there will be light at the end of that tunnel. And it, it's glorious. It's glorious when we learn to stop the shame. And embrace who we are. And celebrate that. And not only that, when you get somebody else to. When you manage to just click. That's why... That's why standards are all so important. You can't you can't just get this with somebody who's squeamish and nervous. They carry all that energy with you. You gotta discard all of it. You gotta discard all that horrible, awkward energy. Spit it to the flames. Go to the mat. Fuck like rabbits. And God, it'll be glorious if you do. People say it's easier said than done. Guess what? Nothing you want is in life is easy. You you have to. It, it it takes it takes weird a weird sense of strength to go into a, like a hookup or something and just bear your soul for the other person. And you gotta kind of know that they're gonna be willing to receive it. God, it sounds all like U-Haul, but it's not, cause it ends and they go their separate way and you don't cry about it afterward. It's all okay. There's no crying in baseball. God, we get these moments in life that. Don't necessarily like a really really good hookup doesn't happen all that often. You're you're lucky when you get a really good one. Life's got you got to lay it all on the field when 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 you get that kind of chance because that that's the kind of moments in life that matter because they make you glow for weeks on end afterward. It matters. It all matters. No, there is. You know what? Like, I, I never, I, I don't like to recall hookups meaningless because I'll, I'll always keep, like, a part of that with me every time. 
that experience, especially if it was just like really good and you're glowing afterward and you have a nice snuggle and you're you're just happy. You're happy with the knowledge that life is impermanent. But if you show up, if you show up ready to embrace what the world has to offer, you can get back to that place enough times that you can kind of look back and look at your transition and look at all sorts of things and feel good about where you're at in the world. Because there's just, the world's a messed up place out there. It's it's an ugly world. And you can't find joy. It's hard. You gotta, you gotta be able to be ready to look for it. But uh, I see joy when I look down at my veg. And it's a good looking veg. It makes me feel really good that uh, I've made it this far. <laughs> Not to close on a downer, but. God, I I spent a lot of my early 20s thinking I wouldn't make it to 30. Just the dysphoria was going to get to me. And I'll be 31 next month. And I, I, I went through fucking hell at the end of December. And you get up. Life throws a lot of bullshit at you. You, you, you take. It sucks to take it. You take it. You move on. You stand up. And you keep moving forward. That's the only way. That's that's your only path. It's not bravery. It's not anything else. It's all you've got to do. That's all you can do is 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 get up. But uh, yeah, it's moments like that. It's moments where you're naked and looking down at yourself in the mirror, and you see what, what you see. You see the just mileage that you wear on your body. All this shit. I'm covered in sunburns right now, and I still feel really hot. Literally, I've got a horrible sunburn. It's an uneven sunburn. My body kind of hurts. And damn, I feel good. <laughs> that's That, my friends, is gender euphoria. I think maybe that's a good note for us to end on. You gotta love yourself. Trans, cis, otherwise, love yourself. Love, the bo- love your body and figure out how to give your body what it needs. And commit yourself to finding that. Commit yourself to not giving up until you get there. Because honestly, the body will throw things at you that you don't necessarily want. I don't want to be attracted to men. Men suck. Men make me feel really good, though. That's all there is to it. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you want actual, like, like scripted... I, 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 I spent a lot of time writing confessions for my new vagina. I spent a lot of time performing it, getting it right. It's nice, uh, it's a lot of, uh, we've touched on some of the things, uh, you've probably listened to my special if you're listening this far into the podcast. Anyway, if you like this episode, please leave a review on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. It's been fun, it's been fun to get to come back and do some more podcasting after, uh, kind of an inconsistent, uh, 2022, but, uh, we've been doing some more episodes, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I really getting to share these little the weird intimate bits of the trans experience. Uh, it's a tremendous honor. Thank you so much, everybody, and we will see you next time. <laughs>